robots think? Is artificial intelligence actually possible? And why do we always focus on artificial uh, intelligence or artificial thought and not artificial thinkers? That's the question we're going to be answering today. I have with me Dr. Eric Olson, and uh, he's a professor of philosophy. He's a big deal in the philosophy of mind, and I'm really excited to have him on because we read one of his papers in my uh, philosophy of technology class with Brendan Rickabaugh at uh, Palm Beach Atlantic University. And it was a fantastic paper. And I thought, I have to talk to this guy about this stuff. So we're going to be going through different uh, variations, different views on artificial thinkers and why they might not work. So I'm really excited. Stay tuned for that. Before we jump in, I want to thank everyone over on Patreon for making this podcast happen. If this is one of your top five, top 10 favorite podcasts, and you want to see me around talking to more guests like Dr. Olson, please consider becoming a Patreon patron. You can find a link in the description wherever you're getting this podcast episode at, and you can join for various different amounts. Um, there's lots of different prizes you can get at, at different levels too. So if you want to see me continue doing this stuff, please consider becoming a Patreon patron. All right. Well, without further ado, let's jump in with Dr. Eric Olson. Dr. Olson, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. My pleasure. Um, I really, really love this. I wore one of my favorite shirts for you. It's uh, Philip K. Dick's Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? Oh, yes. Um, I actually have it tattooed on my forearm here, too. It's kind of hard to see, but I uh, I love it. It kind of works with uh, maybe an animalist view of personality or persons uh, or substance dualism. Basically, robot, robot thinking's out. Um, so I wore that for you. I'm really excited for this. Before we jump in on uh, thinking through artificial thinkers, I wanted to get a little bit about you. Uh, how'd you get into philosophy in the first place? Oh, gosh, that's a lot. Goes back a long time now. Yes, I guess, uh, like a lot of people, I didn't get exposed to philosophy at school. So I you know, went off to uh, college intending to become a scientist. Hmm. And then I found that my science was a you know, science and mathematics was a was a bit dry, but I, I had to take a course uh, which involved philosophy. And that involved reading Plato. And I thought Plato was the bee's knees. That was very, very exciting. It was like nothing I'd ever come across before. And I, I was dead sure that I, I was sure that, that, that Plato was completely wrong <laughs> in his theory of the forms and all of that stuff. Uh, and I thought I could show that he was wrong. <laughs> it's, it's, it, it, it's very common for, you know, for undergraduates to think that they're cleverer than Plato was. <laughs> yeah. That wasn't an exception. Even <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. Uh, so that was my... Yes, well, that got me thinking anyway, and I thought for quite some time about what I wanted to do with my life and so on. And, so, and at the end of the th of, of that thinking process, I thought uh, I wanted to switch from science to philosophy. Hmm. And the world's better for it. We're, we love you over here on the in the philosophy well, side. Thank you. Yeah. Well, so then, so then, how did you get into um, personhood and, and studying the philosophy of mind? There's a lot, of, a lot of different subfields you could have gone into. Why philosophy of mind type stuff? Yes, that was much later when I was doing my PhD. Uh, I, I spent uh, about three and a half years or so doing courses. This was, this was at Syracuse before deciding on a topic for my PhD thesis. And uh, one of the courses that I took was a seminar taught by Peter Bettenwagen on personal identity. And the main reading for this course was Peter Unger's book, 
uh, what's it called? Uh, 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 let me just look at my shelf. Uh, again? <laughs> Sorry, I'm not supposed to do that, am I? <laughs> no, no worries. Go ahead. Identity, consciousness, and value. Mm. I'm sure if I were on the BBC, they wouldn't let me get away with that, would they? Uh, <laughs> that's great. Uh, identity, consciousness, and value, which was which was new in those days. That was from 1990. Okay. And he discusses a whole lot of views about personal identity over time, with lots of with lots of very complicated and and, and, and ingenious thought experiments. Uh, but it was very striking to me at the time that he never every single view he discusses is incompatible with our being biological organisms. Mm. And I'd never thought about this conflict before. It seemed to me rather obvious, I suppose, or, or at least very plausible before entering into this debate at all, that I was an animal of some sort. Yeah. Uh, and yet uh, every view that he considered has had, had some sort of psychological component to it. And the, the differences were all about what, uh, uh, well, which version and whether it had to be sort of, had to have some sort of continuous physical realization or something, something to that effect. He never considers a view with a, a view of personal identity, identity over time, but no psychology in it at all, yeah. which I think is what you get if you believe that you're an animal. And um, so alerted me to the, to the fact that, that, that there was a sort of a, uh, a gap in the, in the mainstream discussion. Yeah. And, and you've, you've, um, you're like one of the, the leading guys in the animalist uh, camp. Was that, was that influenced by, by your time with PVI uh, there at Syracuse? Yes, that was, that was his view. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's true. Though I'm not sure whether that, was and, and and I did write my thesis with him as a supervisor, and mm. and, and and that was very good. We we, we uh, uh, and I was I was influenced a great deal by Peter Vanenwagen, and there's no that there, there's uh, uh, there. He's the person, yes, whose thinking is the most like mine, or or you, you might say I'm the person whose thinking is the most like him, perhaps. Sure. What you promised me that uh, I'm a he, I, 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 I'm 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 his biggest fan, I think. There's, there's, there's no one who's a bigger fan of, of, of Peter than I am. Hmm. Uh, but I think in, in this case, although he, I suppose, brought my attention to this incompatibility, I'm not sure whether, I don't think it was his agreeing with me that got me interested. Okay. Yeah, um, that's awesome. That's or, really... And, and the fact that every, every, everybody else seemed to think otherwise. Yeah. Well, did he at least, uh, was he part of the reason... Uh, that you came to think Plato isn't wrong? Did he did he make you a, a Platonist, a realist about abstracta? Oh no, no. no uh, by the time I met Peter, I, I, that was about you know, five or six years after <laughs> my reading Plato was a freshman. So I wasn't thinking about that any longer. Okay, that's awesome. Well, um, I really really like your paper, and uh, it is. Oh shoot, what's the what's the title here? It's um. Artificial intelligence. There I we think. go. Yep, the the metaphysics of artificial intelligence, and um, it's a it's a really good chapter uh, in this book. Um, and I had the book with me too. It's ontology. Shoot, do you remember the the name of the book? I see. That's if it. this was the BBC, uh, I'd get fired. And the ontology of properties. Consciousness. There we go. Ontology of properties. It's in my notes somewhere, and I can't find it. Um, there it is. Okay. Thank you for that. So um, I'm really excited about this because you brought up this amazing point that everyone in artificial intelligence theory, uh, they always focus on artificial thought and, and they neglect artificial thinkers because 
there's going to be artificial thought. There, there should be an artificial thinker. And you kind of motivate this, this argument by saying, uh, or this intuition, whatever, by saying, look, there's in natural thought, like the one that the ones that you and I are having right now, there's a, there's a natural thinker having those thoughts. And so unless there's a really good argument for why there can be thought without thinkers, we should think that there should be an artificial thinker if there's artificial thought. Does that, does that sound right? Is that, is that, uh, your intuition there? Yes, yes, yes. It's, it's not so much an intuition because it, it's sure. not really a claim. It's just okay. What is this? The 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 discussion about the possibility of artificial intelligence or, or is about that is real artificial intelligence is about intelligence or mental phenomena themselves. So the question is, uh, could uh, an electronic computer produce something mental? Mm-hmm. So is there something about the nature of the mental, of mental phenomena, like consciousness or belief or preference or whatever it might be, that restricts it to biological organisms or whatever the case might, whatever that might be? Or could it be realized in an artificial electronic substrate? Yeah. Okay. And that's a perfectly fair question, I suppose. But there's another question quite independent of that, which is uh, if, if, if artificial thought were possible, what would the artificial thinkers be like? Because for there to be thinking is for there to be a thinking thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it seems that way. Just as for there to be motion, it's for there to be, for there to be something that moves. Or, or for there to be life, is for there to be something that's alive, a living thing. Yeah. So if there, could, if there could be artificial intelligence, there must, it must, then there could be artificially intelligent beings. And what sort of being could it be? that would be artificially intelligent. And uh, that question might be difficult to answer. In fact, there might not be a very good answer. Yeah. Uh, but there has to be a good answer to that question if artificial intelligence is possible. Yeah, and I love that. So and nobody I, discusses that question, what, what I call the question of artificial thinkers. Right, and it's such a huge question. And when you said that, I thought, you know, surely there's some, well, someone, you know. What, what, and it's just, it's a really, really good question. It's It's pretty amazing that it's been so overlooked. I wonder... Um, just tangentially here, I wonder what you, what you make of Descartes, uh, cogito cause, cause he brings up a same, a similar type of thought in, in his, uh, cogito or cogito experiment, thought experiment. If, uh, if I'm thinking, then, then I exist as a thinker. And then he goes in for substance dualism, which I know you're not going to like there, um, or Cartesian dualism, whatever. But is that a similar move going on here where you say, if there's artificial intelligence or there, there has to be an artificial thinker? There's yes, there's some connection. Yes, I mean, I think the cogito is Descartes' best argument. Okay, uh, that's awesome. Wow, I, th- I think it's one of the best arguments in the whole of philosophy. The, the, uh, uh, it, it, it's not that people people don't object to it, but but it, it it's it's it was clearly right to to think that you can't think you exist and be wrong about it. Yes, amen, man. It's so good to to hear you say that you exist. Yeah. What what kind of and, and and most people accept that even if they challenge the argument, not very many people think that uh, they don't exist. Right. <laughs> they don't usually disagree with the conclusion, or if they do, they might start disagreeing with it just because they, they they've seen his argument for it. I mean, yeah. as I point out somewhere in the paper, oftentimes the best way to make an, a, a philosopher suspicious about a certain claim is to give a positive argument for it. <laughs> That's great. Well. So there, initially, there was this uh, there was this claim that all that that Descartes showed was that there's thinking going on. Um, what do you mean? And I think of the the cogito as more of like a transcendental argument, where it's like it, it's it's presuppos like 
there's a thinker presupposed if there is thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Swinburne says something like, you know, uh, there's a substance if there's this property of thinking because properties don't just free float around. Um, but, but what do you make of that claim that there's just thinking going on, that that's really what it's showing? Uh, well, of course, you can, you can give a cogito style argument for the existence of thinking. I mean, there couldn't be the... the uh, 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 it's 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 obvious from the fact that we're asking the question that thinking is going on. Mm. You might say, okay, so that is how it's just that there was thinking, and 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 the sort of objection to the cogito argument that you're alluding to is roughly this, okay, that that that, that there might be a process of thinking going on, which is not the thinking of any being. It's just it, it's just. Thinking, thinking goes on in the way that uh, wind happens. It's not as if something is blowing. It's, it's just it's just wind. It, it's just something happening. Yeah. Okay. So uh, it's thinking that's happening, and maybe thinking sort of congeals in a certain way. So th- th- that's all the thinking going on here, uh, which effect which 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 uh, has a certain sort of unity to it, and there's certain thinking going on there. Uh, I can't point to you. I don't, I don't <laughs> want to point to. Uh, that's got a certain sort of unity, but but the thinking is not an activity of anything. It's just activity. Mm-hmm. Uh, or at best, it's an activity of something that's not itself thinking. It's, it's, it's an activity of, just like wind is an activity of air molecules. Thinking might be an activity of brain cells. Yeah. Uh, but, but it's an activity of lots of things, lots of little things, none of which is thinking. Mm-hmm. Okay, so although I couldn't think I was thinking and be sorry, I couldn't think I existed and be wrong about it, there could be an occurrence of the thought I am thinking, or even I exist, uh, which was false because uh, it didn't refer to anything, because the, the first person thought I doesn't refer to anything. Yeah. Okay, that's a, I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a possible view, and that's, a, that's the main objection, I suppose, to Descartes' cogito argument but that's a pretty wild claim i suppose if you think about it that's what i would think yeah uh uh, uh and pe- the old pe- people would only consider that claim i suppose just because they want to find some objection to descartes argument because you know a philosopher can't see, can't, can't uh, look at an argument without trying to formulate an objection that's that's what we're trained to do like a text. Right. yeah that's fantastic well so doesn't, doesn't just take off their hat and say yes, well done, Rene Descartes, uh, you win the prize. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, that's that's awesome. I, I thanks for for indulging me on that. So this your your whole paper doesn't really uh, doesn't hinge on whether Descartes was right or not. But I thought it'd be a, a fascinating thing because because we are saying, look, if there's a artificial thought, there there needs to be an artificial thinker, and then you can just stipulate, look, unless you come up with a really good argument that shows those two can come apart. And so, you know, go ahead and work on that you know, philosophy professors who are listening. But, yes. you know, in the meantime, we can continue. A, I haven't come across an advocate of artificial intelligence who denies that there are artificial thinkers. They, okay. They, they, I suppose it's, it's partly because they're not really thinking about metaphysics. That's true. Yeah. That's... Uh, and, the, the, and, and it's only a metaphysician who would question whether thinking requires a thinker. Yeah, which is fantastic. Um, some people think that, some people may think, that that is uh, pedantic or something, especially in America, where, where our great philosophy was the was pragmatism. Unfortunately, um, that's what we get to offer the world. Uh, maybe Jonathan Edwards in there too, but um, I I think this is a huge a huge open question that uh, even those those pragmatic artificial guys need to think through. So um, let's go over a couple a couple of these options that you have for uh, artificial thinkers, uh, and I thought maybe we could categorize them by materialist views and then. 
a couple immaterialist views, starting with maybe the computer hardware okay. uh, view. Yeah. Okay. I'm not quite sure what the pragmatist would say, actually, but what, that is why the pragmatist would dismiss this worry of mine. It, it depends on what question they're asking. If the pragmatist just means we should get on with our artificial intelligence program, uh, yeah. Uh, 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 making our, our artificial intelligent machines and so on, and not worry about philosophy, then that's got no objection to that. Right. Okay. Uh, but 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 that's not a pragmatist philosopher. That's 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 a pragmatist saying we shouldn't bother with philosophy. That that's what I had in mind. Yeah, the uh, the computer science folks who are saying, oh, this is you know, I don't want to get into metaphysics. And it's like, well, you you that's might need. Yes, yeah. it's just like a mathematician saying, I'm not going to worry about the ontology of numbers or, or, or about the epistemology of mathematics. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just going to do my subject and, 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 leave, and, and leave that to the, the people who are interested in that sort of thing. Yeah, I always, is- I always want to press them on that because I, I, I study philosophy. I like philosophy. so I'm, You should get clear on some of this stuff, at least if you're going to call yourself, you know, if you're a mathematician, you're way smarter than me, but you should have some kind of view on whether the things that you study actually exist or not, right? That's an interesting question. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure the answer to that question. <laughs> uh, I can imagine. I'm not sure if a if if a mathematician is, is, is a poor mathematician if she didn't, mm-hmm. if if she refuses to engage with that question. But yeah, but you might think there's something. You, you might think they're being intellectually, I don't know, negligent or 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 or. or uh, insouciant in in another way that's a good word yeah yeah i i didn't mean to come at the uh the mathematicians in the crowd sorry about that folks um <laughs> well let's let's jump in on on the computer hardware view yes. uh it's the first one up can you just lay that out for us what is that uh this is the view that the intelligent thing the, the artificial intelligent being is the computer itself so to create artificial intelligence is to make a computer intelligent or to give it mental properties to make it conscious and so on. Yeah. Dr. Olson, do you think that this is like uh, the, the main view out there? I know, I know we, we've just kept saying that most people aren't thinking about the metaphysics of it, but what do you make? Do you, did you list this one first? Cause you thought maybe most people would think it's the computer itself, the physical it, computer. It, it, yeah. It, it seems like the most natural view. And it's the view that, that people talking about artificial intelligence most often state. I mean, I'm not sure whether they consciously state it. They yeah. just, perhaps because they don't consider alternatives, but, but, but they very often say that it's the artificial intelligence is the project, or the question of artificial intelligence is whether a computer could think. That's okay. the most common statement of it. Uh, no one defends that statement or considers alternatives, but it seems like the, it seems like the natural thing to say. And I think it's probably also the best answer to the question. Yeah. Yeah, so that's what it's then you give some problems for it. So it's the it's the best one, but there's it's it's not the it's not a knockdown uh, theory here. Um, and is that is it because there's is the main argument against this that there's two different histories that the the computer the material computer would have a different history than the conscious thinker. Uh, well, I, I, I would rather put it by saying that this view is incompatible with the dominant views about about personal identity. Mm. Uh, particularly personal personal identity over time. So the, the the computer hardware view says that the the intelligent being. So if 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 you program your computer for intelligence and switch it on, and there it goes, it's it's intelligent. Uh, the computer hardware view is is that the intelligent thing is that physical machine that was manufactured in China. Okay, so it the the the, the intelligent being did not begin to exist when it became intelligent. It it it. it existed before it was switched on it existed yesterday before it was programmed for intelligence and so on and so forth and if you switch it off 
or if you stop running the program, the artificially intelligent being will not cease to exist. It will simply lose its intelligence. Hmm. Uh, that's analogous to saying that if your uh, mental life were permanently destroyed, you would carry on existing as a as a corpse or as a, or, or, or in a vegetative state. And likewise, right? So, so so that means yes. And uh, another case, it's 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 commonly held that. If you had an, uh, an intelligent, an artificially intelligent being, uh, it could move from one piece of hardware to another just by a transfer of information, right? So, 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 so I could uh, send it to your computer uh, over the wires, yeah. Right? Send it as a as an email attachment or something like that, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, but of course, you can't send a, com- a piece of computer hardware as an email attachment, right? Uh, uh, yeah, as a message by telegraph, as as they say, and as the joke was in the nineteenth century in Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so, uh, if you think that personal identity over time consists in some sort of psychological continuity, if that's sufficient or necessary, either one, uh, that's incompatible with the computer hardware view. Yeah, um, I wanted to to bring up uh, a question for the psychological continuity view. Um, I've been listening to your, your, uh, some, some lectures from you all day and, and, uh, you were talking about Terry Shivo, um, and, and that case where she was, uh, for those who don't know, she was, she was, uh, unconscious or in a coma or br- uh, brain dead for, was it like 10 years or something like that? I don't remember. So that, yeah. It, long it, time. She was in a vegetative state. Yeah. And, and so a lot of the intuitions were like, she's, she's not actually there anymore. And could be, and there's, there's not psychological continuity happening anymore, but her body's being artificially kept alive. What, what do you make of, uh, so when it comes to the computer and shutting off the computer, the, the intuition is that like, you've just destroyed the artificial being. And then when you turn it back on, you, you, they've came back to life. And I think a lot of people initially see that and they go, well, don't I go to sleep and have a dreamless sleep here and there? And yet I, wake back up and it doesn't seem like there's uh, the same it's, it's like an analogous case to shutting off the computer and so if i'm able to continue being the same self and have psychological continuity though i went black for eight hours last night how uh, come the computer can't what, what do you what do you make of that that's a, that's a that's a nice question yes i like that yes uh the difference is that when you go to sleep your mental architecture if you like is still there you mm. don't your mental life doesn't stop I mean, it might stop being active. You might stop mental activity, but all of your mental states, your beliefs, your preferences, your knowledge, your personality, your sense of humor, that's all still there. Uh, 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 whereas if you quit the uh, the artificial intelligent program or even delete it from your hard drive or wh- whatever, then it's gone completely. Mm. It would be like wiping your brain completely. Yeah. And then reprogramming it, reprogramming it from scratch. So, the, the the case of you're going to sleep, that would be more like a case where you start your your program going, and then you put your computer to sleep. They don't oh, yeah. fall asleep, right? So the, the 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 program is still there. I'm not a computer scientist, but it's 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 still there in the computer chips. It's just that it's no longer active, and everything is powered down, so that it doesn't use too much electricity. It's 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 it's. Um, the activity more or less stops. Okay. Uh, but, but, but all the information is still there. 
Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So, so because, because of the fact that you can take the information out and put it on a new computer, that shows that there's uh, that these, the computer hardware view uh, is insufficient or false because the, the actual physical computer and the actual artificial, if it were artificial thing can be separated in a, in a way that's not analogous to a human being. Yeah, well, it's not that I think it's false. It's just that it's incompatible with the dominant view of oh, personal gotcha. identity over time. And in fact, I don't hold that view of personal identity over time yeah. because I think you and I are animals, mm-hmm. and an animal does not persist by virtue of psychological continuity. Yeah, you, know, you can't send an animal as a message by telegraph. You, 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 I mean, if we extract all the psychological information from, from your brain and send it as an email attachment, and 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 somewhere in China they they somehow feed it into a uh, somebody with a new, uh, 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 somebody else with a new brain, that person wouldn't be you. We, we, yeah. we, wouldn't, we wouldn't have sent uh, Parker as an email attachment. That would, that, that would only be a joke. Right. Um, 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 so, so I think that, and, and, and likewise, uh, 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 if you're an animal, you don't come into existence when you become intelligent. You sort it out as a little tiny embryo. Right. Intelligent must much much later on, and and you might lose your mental life, and still carry on existing, right. uh, in a comatose state, or whatever. So that's 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 my view. And if you hold that view, th- 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 then this is no objection to the computer hardware view. Hmm. Uh, but it would be important news if the pos- if if the very possibility of artificial intelligence was incompatible with the dominant view about personal identity of our time, the psychological continuity view. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a really good point. So. Um, Touching on animalism just a little bit, if if um, if you made a clone of me, um, if if psychological continuity is not what how we cash out personal identity over time, if you made an identical organism to me, is that me? How do we how do we just yeah how do we adjudicate between those two? When you said make a clone, do you mean we? We scan you, so to speak, and get all the information without doing you any harm. And then we use that information to, to arrange new atoms, say, in the next room, just as your atoms were arranged when we, when we made the scan. And the result is somebody who thinks he's you and remembers being scanned. And Well, so I, I think there might be two. There's, there's two ones, two, two that I wanted to ask you about. One was just a clone, and you, you would start him off as an embryo. So, he's, you know, DNA is all the same because if psychological continuity isn't the the key factor then who cares if he has the same memories of me another one might be if we 3d 3d scan me and 3d print me out of the same well it's not the same material maybe you want to go with the, it's the same material but yes. he, he he would have all the same memories perhaps yeah what do you well the, the okay okay the first case uh, uh cloning in the biology and in, in, in the biologist sense of course that person would be no more you than your identical twin would be you uh it yeah that's a good case just be somebody with the same genome as you uh-huh. Nobody would, would think that was you. Yeah. Right. Uh, why? So a lot of people would say that's because um, if, if they will hold to like the psychological continuity, it's like because it's not you. It's, it doesn't you don't have the same histories as that person. How, how does uh, how does an animalist say what, what's, what's the animalist reply on, on this? That I'm not quite sure what the objection was, but I mean, it's, it's clear that there are two different animals. But but this is I mean, this okay. is. It's not just the animals who would say that that the the clone that we make of you is not you. Everybody would say that. Nobody right. would say that. no philosopher that I that, that, that I, I I always hesitate to say that no philosopher <laughs> ever said because someone always says, "Oh, I can think. I, I know of someone." Uh, right. 
but but at the risk of someone saying that, I, I, yeah. I, I, I'll venture to say that I, I've never yet come across a philosopher who said that if we make a clone of you in the way that Dolly the sheep was cloned, that right. that person would be would be you. Okay. Despite appearances, that would be one person rather than two people. Yeah, nobody holds that view. Okay. Uh, in the other case where, where where we 3D print you, as you put it, that is, we scan you and we use that information to create a, a, a duplicate of you, as I would say, out of new atoms. Uh, nobody would say that that was you either. I don't think it's not just it's clear that it's clear that there are two different biological organisms. So according to animalism, it's not you. But uh, there's also not any psychological continuity. I suppose is that right? Is that let me let me let me think before before answering actually. Um, well, nearly everyone would, would say it wasn't you. Uh, maybe Shoemaker's view, where he, he, he thinks because there's a sort of psychological continuity in that case, but right because in that in that case, your the duplicates' uh, memories and personality and beliefs and so on and so forth and interests are caused by yours, the ones yeah. you were scanned. So there's a sort of psychological continuity although it's not caused by the continuous realization of it in a in a brain or something so you might think that that's sufficient if you thought that you could travel by star trek teleporter you would say that that was a that there was psychological continuity in that case and in that case that would be it would be uh one of those troublesome fission cases so there would be yeah. two people after the the, 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 the duplicate is made who were psychologically continuous with you as you were beforehand uh and then we'd, we'd have to, we, 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 you know, then that's that's a bit of an awkward problem. Which one of the <laughs> you and why? Uh, they can't both be you, right? Because there are two of them. Yeah. Uh, so that shows that psychological continuity of that sort can't be sufficient for you to survive. But maybe this, you know, maybe we need some sort of branching, non-branching requirement or some, some, some messy amendment of that sort. Yeah, that's really good. I also I, I think about uh, semantic externalism, and maybe you're. Um, if, if you do go in for that, maybe your concepts don't refer then either. Uh, maybe on, on, on Shoemaker's view, even though you have, it seems you think you have psychological continuity. You're, if you don't have any causal interaction with the objects, uh, which your concepts are supposed to be fixed on, then your concepts don't refer. I, I guess that's predicated on semantic externalism being true, though, which... Well, that's a that's a further difficulty, quite independent of whether it's you. This is a question. Right. Your question is about the mental properties that that our duplicate has got. So, uh, so I was thinking. I, I thought because my mental property, my my concepts, they refer to what I've been in causal interaction with, presumably mm-hmm. at least some of them. But if I my my twins, if he just just printed right now, he. His yes. concepts wouldn't refer in the same way that mine do, and so may, I would have maybe a better case of saying I'm me than he would. Uh, well, maybe when your duplicate says I am Parker, because that's of course what he would say. Yeah. Uh, maybe he might not be expressing the proposition that he's Parker because he might not have the concept. Of, his word Parker might not refer to you. Yeah. Because although there is a causal connection between between it and between what he says and you it, it might not be the right sort of causal connection and, uh, and the philosophers of language can debate about that whether it's the right sort yeah uh but and okay that that might be a reason to say that he that he he wasn't you though it, it wouldn't be a conclusive reason yeah okay well, this is this is good. Thanks for letting me go down these these rabbit trails here. Um, the the second materialist view, yeah, you call the temporal 
parts view, and it uh, it utilizes unrestricted composition and persistence through persistence through arbitrary temporal parts. And a lot of my a lot of my listeners are, are master's students in philosophy and PhD students, and some professors as well. But but some are going to be really confused by that that terminology. Can you help us out with unrestricted composition and persistence through? Gosh, yes. Well, well. It, first of all, you need to know what a temporal part is, because mm. uh, and this is the idea that it's the existence of temporal parts of persisting things like people is very controversial. Mm-hmm. A temporal part of you is a part of you that, that's just like you are, except it's short. It's it, it's its extension in time is shorter. Okay, so it's perhaps if you think about events like say uh, a football game, it's got a first half and a first quarter, and so on. Those are temporal parts of the game. Yeah. But everything that, that, that's going on in the game during the first half is present in the first half as well as right. So, so it's just it's, the first half of the football game is just like the football game, only it's shorter, generally shorter. And the yeah. and, and the assumption is that there's somebody that's just like you, only it's shorter, temporarily shorter. Yeah, your first half, let's say. So it extends from the beginning of your existence to the midpoint of your your life. <laughs> Your career, and then, and, and then it stops. Yeah, it's succeeded by something else. The second half of you. Okay, so it's, so we have to assume that that you are made up of all of these temporal parts, which are just like you, only shorter. And more, what's more, they're arbitrary temporal parts. So so for every period of time when you exist, for example, this week or today or this instant, there's a temp- there's a temporal part of you that exists only during that period. Yeah. Okay, and then we so so, so that's temporal parts, and then we have to assume that. Well, any two things make up something bigger. Yeah. Okay, so, so there's the temporal part of you that exists right now and the temporal part of you that existed the last time I clicked my fingers. There's something mm-hmm. made up of those two temporal parts of you, something that's separated, something with two parts separated by uh, 30 seconds or, 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 or whatever, whatever it might be. And likewise, there's something, there's something composed of your first half and my second half and so on. Okay, so uh, if we've got those two assumptions, then there will be a material thing that does come into existence when you program your computer for intelligence. Mm-hmm. And it comes to an end when, when, when you stop, when you quit the program. It's the temporal part of the computer that exists during that time. Yeah. Right? Uh, so it's always intelligent throughout its existence. Okay, so it, it it respects our our well the, the 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 commonly held view that some sort of personal identity is necessary for you to for a person to persist or a conscious being, and likewise, if the program gets uh, how should we put it transferred down the wires to another piece of hardware, there will be an object composed of the earlier temporal part of the first computer up to the point where the process, where the transfer takes place and the later temporal part of the second computer the one that begins when the, when the program starts up starts up on the on the second computer and ends when the program is quit i suppose stops running yeah. uh, and that will respect the, the 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 commonly held view that personal identity of some sort is sufficient for you to persist this sort of view also takes care of the the uh, branching problem that you mentioned a moment ago. Yeah. So if there are two people psychologically continuous with you, that's they can both be you, and in, 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 in well, in the sense that uh, there's something composed of your preficient temporal parts and the uh, 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 the temporal parts of the person who stays 
behind in one scant, and, and there's another one composed of the pre-temporal parts of you and the later temporal parts of the one who's made by the Swedish scanner. Yeah. So, there, so, so, so the, the, the pre-efficient person who's conducting the interview is, well, actually there are two people there insofar as your current temporal part is a part of two distinct people. Mm, yeah. Which later on. Yeah. So I, I, I drew a picture. I don't know how, how well it's going to come up here, folks, but uh, if you can see back home, uh, there's there's like a block and then a lower block and then another block. So it's it's like if you're editing a video, uh, like if I were to edit this video of us and when you snap, I cut that out and that, that goes down here and I, I splice in a new video. It's like this video and then it stops here and then there's a new one here and then there's a new one here and they're different segments. They're different um parts they're different temporal parts and you put it all together and it's one video when i put it up on youtube and so that's kind of how i like to to think of this that you're you're just tracing the identity now it's here but then when you edit a video you put the 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 one you're splicing in goes down here and then you splice in a new one right here and so you have these temporal parts but you you share it as one video I'm not sure whether I've understood the analogy, but it might help to say that on this view that I'm talking about, uh, every, as, as, as Quine once put it, every matter-filled region of space-time yeah. contains an object, a physical right. object. Mm -hmm. okay. So uh, because there is a region of space-time that moves from one computer to another when the data is transferred, or yeah. trans uh, there's, a, there's a physical object with that sort of career, which moves discontinuously perhaps from one computer to another. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, Doctor Olson, that it it sounds like when I when you first when I first read it in your paper, I was like, oh, that's a really unique and fascinating, like really uh, cool way of of solving this problem. But then, with unrestricted composition, it seems like it lets in everything. Like, it's, <laughs> right? It's like a really scary thing. And now we have the uh, this object that is like Bill Clinton's nose and my coffee mug and this pen, right? Yes. And so then. Does that really give us the personal identity if the artificial uh, thinker is also connected to like everything else in reality at that moment or in that temporal part? Uh, I think maybe what you're saying is this. You might ask, uh, uh, what would happen to me if my mental contents were erased from my brain and transferred electronically to your brain? Mm -hmm. uh, would I end up with a big mustache or what I come to an end or what I carry on without any mental contents or what. Uh, uh, and according to the ontology of temporal parts, this question doesn't have a clear answer because yeah. there is a being that does move from this organism to that organism. Again, I don't know what to point <laughs> with the mustache. Okay. Yeah. There's another, there's another, being that comes to an end when the transfer takes place. There's, an, there's a third being that carries on with uh, an empty brain, so to speak, uh, here. Uh, there's another being that suddenly becomes the moon, that is, that suddenly jumps to the moon, and which is composed of my temporal parts up to the, uh, up to the brain scan or brain wipe, and the moon's temporal parts located afterwards. Yeah. And so on and so forth. There are... Uh, 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 a vast number of objects, any number of, of, of objects that have my current temporal parts as, as, as parts. Yeah. And I'll diverge, so to speak, 
uh, at every moment, uh, uh, the resilience of them and they're all diverging because, again, every matterfield space-time contains an object. So, so there are perhaps an infinite number of matterfield space-time regions which 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 uh, consist of all my temporal parts up to now and diverge afterwards. Yeah. And questions about what happens to me or or, or about my persistence are really. Well, they become linguistic questions. The question is, which of those things do we use the name Olson to refer to? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, I also think that's really good. Um, and it's it's almost dizzying uh, thinking through this this type of stuff. I also think about if, if we have unrestricted composition, then isn't there like a there's like a higher order thing that is my brain and your brain together? There's something composed of or made up of your brain and my brain, something that has them as parts. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, so why isn't that thing, <clears throat> why isn't that thing a conscious being? Ah. Do, you, do you see what I'm saying? Yes, of course. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, or there's something made up of you and me. Right. Uh, is that it, it, it's got, it's made up of two conscious beings it's got two conscious beings as parts yeah. is that being itself conscious mm-hmm. uh i don't know the answer to that question I, yeah so, of course I, I don't believe that that, that that being exists because i don't i don't accept unrestricted composition same yeah right but, but but if i did that question must have an answer yeah and it seems like a problem for unrestricted composition the question of say the, the thing that's, that's composed of you and your and your and your coffee mug your mug uh is that thing conscious is it is it a philosopher uh Right, and so on. I don't know how to answer that question. I suppose yeah. I'd answer no, but I'm, I'm I'm not sure how to justify that answer. And and so that's what I think. If if you go with the temporal parts view in order to solve some of the potential problems with computer hardware, like persistence over time, you I think you end up with a lot of other weird questions that you you have to answer as well, right? I suppose. I mean, this is a metaphysical question that you ask. What you know, what the, the, this 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 problem of artificial thinkers, and any any answer to any metaphysical question will raise lots of other metaphysical questions. Sure. That's a good point. Yeah. Okay. Um, so then, so that's the temporal parts view. Any any other um, criticism that that you think is is relevant for the temporal parts view? Well, I suppose it implies that although a thinking being gets transferred from one piece of computer hardware to another when the transfer takes the, the information transfer takes takes place another conscious a, a, another thinking being well at least one other one anyway doesn't move it says where it is and simply becomes unconscious yeah. or, 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 or or stops thinking becomes unintelligent uh, so although and likewise uh, when you program your computer for intelligence, <laughs> Uh, there is a thing that was previously unintelligent that becomes unintelligent, namely the, the, the piece of computer hardware, even if you have created a new intelligent being. So you might ask whether it really does justice to the the the, the conviction for what it's worth yeah. about, pers- about the persistence of people or thinking beings. Yeah, that's, that's really good. I, I told you guys, the listeners, that this is a really good paper. That, um, it's, a, it's a really good chapter in the book. You definitely check it out. Um, it's, it's hard to do it all justice on a podcast uh, because certain things can be done uh, better in, in writing. But I think, I think we're doing an awesome job here. And uh, so let, with that in mind, let's continue on to um, the consti- constitution view. I think this one will be a little bit easier than the temporal parts um, 
What's the what's the constitution view? So that's the view that there's often more than one material thing where there appears to be only one. So the 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 the, the, the standard example is the statue in a lump of clay. So we've got a lump of clay. I haven't got one here, but like a lump of clay, and 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 I model it into the shape of let's say Socrates. Yeah. Okay, and then I get this. I get I get frustrated with it and I squash it. Uh, okay. Now it's tempting to think that when I modeled the clay, that, that I created a statue. I didn't just change the shape of this pre-existing physical object. I created a new thing. And when I squashed it, I didn't just change its shape, change it from a Socrates shape into a nondescript shape, but I destroyed uh, a physical object, the statue. Yeah. Okay. And so you you might think there are actually two physical objects here, the lump of clay and the clay statue, uh, which have different histories and different futures and uh, and so on. So, so, so they differ in various respects, although they're physically indistinguishable. There's no, they're made of the very same atoms arranged in the same way. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. And a lot of philosophers think that you stand to uh, that biological organism, or maybe that lump of flesh, in much the same way as the clay, as my statue of Socrates stands to the lump of clay that I made it out of. Okay. So that yeah. when when uh, uh, a human organism reaches uh, 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 acquires certain mental properties in the process of uh, 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 prenatal, prenatal development or, or, or whenever, uh, it comes well, a, a new thing is created in the person. Yeah, right? much the same way as as, as, as uh, a new thing is created, a, a new physical object is created when I model my lump of clay into the shape of Socrates. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, so. A, so you might so so, so so lots of people think that a person is a material thing, just like uh, an animal, but it's not an animal because it's got different persistence conditions, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's constituted by the animal. Constitution is just that relation that the uh, that the st- clay statue stands to the lump of clay. Right, the lump of clay constitutes the statue. The organism constitutes the person. Yeah. So, in this case, you might say the the computer, uh, when it's programmed for intelligence, it comes to constitute a thinking thing, hmm. an intelligent being. Okay, yeah. uh, and when the program is shut down, when it stops running, uh, that constituted object ceases to exist, much as my statue of uh, Socrates ceases to exist when I squash it. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I'm, if I read this right, I think you give a uh, kind of a dilemma for, for this view in that one, uh, if, there's, if, there, if there's two objects here, there's the computer and then the, the artificial thinker, which is constituted by the computer, then you either have like a two thinkers problem or, t- or too many thinkers problem, or one of them is a philosophical zombie, namely the, the computer. Does that sound right? Yes, that's right. Yes, um, I mean, generally, the, 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 the friends of constitution don't want to say, with a few exceptions, that the thing that constitutes you is thinking intelligent right now, mm-hmm. organism, uh, or that it's a person, uh, because they want to say that a person comes into existence, and they wouldn't want to say that, that, that a second person comes into existence, uh, in addition to the first person. <laughs> Right. They don't want to say that that when you uh, reach the right stage in your mental development, uh, uh, a per- 
the organism comes to constitute a person and the organism itself becomes a second person. Yeah. Uh, they don't want to say that. No one wants to say that. That's right. that, that would be, I mean, how would you know which person you were? And besides, you want to say that any person, not just a constituted person, uh, persists by virtue of psychological continuity. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and you also don't want to say that, that the organism is a conscious, rational non-person and uh, psychologically indistinguishable from you because that would make de deprive the property of being a person of any interest uh so they want to say that the organism is not intelligent not conscious it's, it's not a person and it has, generally has no mental properties uh or at best it's got mental properties in some derivative sense it somehow inherits inherits them from the organism oh yeah okay. yeah um but then the organism or the thing that constitutes the person is physically identical to the person, but is not, sorry, physically identical to the person, but, 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 but has no mental properties, not strictly speaking, anyway. And that's the definition of a, of a zombie, that the uh, zombie in the philosopher's sense. Yeah. And in the same way, the, the, the computer that constitutes the artificially intelligent being would be a, would, would be a zombie in the same way. Yeah. Um, do, can you see anyone just biting the bullet on that and saying like, yeah, sure. Um, the, the organism that is me is, is a philosophical zombie and I'm the, the person. And, and likewise, yeah, sure. The, the computer is a philosophical zombie, but uh, the, the artificial thinker is, is not. Yes. Yes. People do. People do uh, accept that. Okay. Uh, I suppose it, it, well, you just describe it as biting the bullet. That suggests that, that there's a cost involved. That's painful. <laughs> and I suppose it's painful because, well, um, well, it doesn't sound very plausible to start with. It's yeah. pretty wild. It, it also raises the question of why the organism is not doesn't have doesn't has no mental properties. Why is it a zombie? Yeah. Uh, I mean, the 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 philosophers of mind who are keen on zombies, uh, they say that. Well, they deny that there are any zombies, and they say that uh, 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 they, they think there could be zombies. But if you ask them why are those being zombies rather zombies rather than conscious, they say it's because the laws of nature in that in, in that possible world are different from ours. Right. Mm -hmm. We're conscious rather than zombies because there's a certain law of nature connecting our neural properties with mental properties. And that law, but this law doesn't, doesn't hold in some other possible world. So that's why. So, so there's a difference. Yeah. It's not a physical difference. It, it's a difference in, 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 in which psychophysical laws hold. Okay? Yeah. But of course, in this case, there's no such difference. It's, it's, it's the same psychophysical laws, it's the same laws of nature. Uh, 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 you, you have to give some other account of why the organism isn't conscious, isn't rational, doesn't have any beliefs, and so on. Yeah, and, and my thought was, if if we let in philosophical zombies uh, into our world, right, with, with the same psychological, uh, psychophysical, whatever laws that we have, then maybe we've just exacerbated the problem of other minds, because now I think uh, philosophical zombies are possible in this world, and so maybe Dr. Eric Olson is a philosophical zombie and doesn't have the additional thinker that is conscious, I suppose, yes. Uh, I mean, this view implies that there are as many zombies as there are conscious people. Right. Uh, though, I mean, the theory tells us that every philosophical zombie constitutes a person. 
Yes, yes. Okay. And of course, but, well, I mean, you might have doubts about that. <laughs> well, I have I have evidence that that I'm not uh, merely a psychological zombie on, on this take because I, I think I'm conscious and we talked about Descartes and all sorts of stuff, but I don't have that same evidence for you. So if I think philosophical zombies are possible, but I have mm-hmm. to infer that you also have the additional conscious thinker, mm-hmm. then maybe it's, you know, it's it's more simple to, to cut off that second one or, or maybe it's, you know, the problem of their minds is exacerbated. It is, but I'm not sure whether that, that whether that makes a problem of other minds worse. Okay. I mean, even if you if if you didn't accept any of this constitution stuff and you just thought that people were organisms, you might still worry about whether another organism uh, uh, with similar physical properties to you and similar behavior had any mental properties or not, whether it was conscious. Well, so, uh, um, yeah, you're, you're probably right on this. My, my thought was um, it, we could always say, look, um, there's a, maybe there's a possible world where there's philosophical zombies, but that's because the laws are different. And in mm-hmm. this world, I'm not a philosophical zombie, so I don't think those laws apply here. But if I did think that I'm you know, a philosophical zombie and uh, a conscious being constituted by that, then I, I bring the zombies over into this world and say they are possible here. So that's why I was thinking maybe it exacerbates it because – Maybe. I'm, I'm saying this world is the is a, is a world that has philosophical zombies. So why should I think anyone else actually does have consciousness if I know that philosophical zombies are possible and I don't have direct awareness of anyone else's conscious states? Yes, I'll have to think about that. Uh, I mean... If you think, yes, well, I suppose somebody might say, whatever it is that justifies your belief that other people are conscious, uh, if we don't accept constitution, yeah, uh, we'll also ought to justify the belief that other human organisms like us, like you, constitute conscious beings. Yeah. And that's some sort of metaphysical law, I suppose. I suppose every every constitution theorist would say that it's metaphysically impossible for there to be. Uh, I suppose. Uh, well, they certainly would say, would say it, was, it, it was metaphysically impossible to take a lump of clay, shape it into the shape of Socrates, and then squ- uh, 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 without creating a statue. <laughs> I mean, you yeah. wouldn't. Nobody would worry about whether. Uh, somebody else's sculptural activity created a statue uh, <laughs> or whether every, whether whether it creates a statue every time I do it or whether or, or only every other only every second second time uh, and if you I suppose if you if if you if you accept the constitution do you have to accept that there's that this is unnecessary truth this metaphysical principle about the, 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 whenever something is in a certain condition it comes to constitute something else with certain properties yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Okay, it, it, Jonathan Schaffer just came up with a uh, a, a mind making metaphysical principle uh, in, in a paper he recently wrote, and it, it sounds pretty similar. So we're just moving from like a nomological to a a metaphysical law of mm-hmm. uh, of constitution, maybe in this case, instead of like ground functionalism that he's going for. Um, that's that's fascinating. All right, okay, so it, that's good. I like it. Um, so you. There's a, there's another problem though that, that you brought up in the paper and that was uh, d- determining spatial boundaries. Um, if you're an animalist, you can say uh, 
you know, the, the physical, the, the boundaries of the person uh, are anything that's caught up in the life of that, of that organism. Mm. But if you're, if you're an AI theorist, you don't, you don't believe that this is an organism. And so, um, yeah, can you, can you elaborate on the problem for the AI theorist and why they don't get to use the caught up in the life thing from, from Peter Vandenwagen? Okay. Well, the, 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 here, here's the question, I guess. If uh, there were an artificially intelligent being somehow in or on the computer and if it were, and it were a physical object we could ask what physical object is it or, or more precisely how big is it uh which parts of the computer are parts of the object does it does it extend i mean are all the parts of the computer parts of the intelligent being including the mouse and the keyboard and the power cable yeah. and the uh the little logo on the back and so on <laughs> are only certain parts of it and and uh what determines uh, how far that artificial intelligence being extends, which things are parts of it. Uh, I think we can answer that question in, in the case of natural thinkers, if we're organisms anyway. Yeah. I think this is actually a hard problem for the constitution theorists. It's, it's hard for them to explain uh, why I'm constituted by the whole organism and not just by some part of it, like my upper half yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Uh, but leaving that aside, uh, so what principle... So, 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 if I'm an organism, then the question becomes what determines the boundaries of, of a of, of a biological organism, and that seems to be something to do with uh, metabolism and those you know characteristic biological functions to do with the immune system and, and so on. So, 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 my hands are parts of me because they're caught up in my bloodstream, uh, in my immune system, uh, 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 and so on. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas uh, my chair which you can't see, is not a part of me. There it is. Uh, <laughs> because because it's not caught up in any of those biological functions, but biological activities of mine. Yeah. Okay. But of course, an artificial thinker wouldn't have it. It's got no biology at all. Uh, so what determines where it comes to an end? Yeah. And, and so it it ends up becoming like a really small part of the computer, Right, like a, a, a things that are constant. how you want to answer the question, but the, the question must have some answer. Yeah, uh, and it's natural. I suppose you, you might say, well, the artificial thinker is composed of all those parts of the computer hardware which are somehow directly involved in the in realizing the program. Yeah, there's some sort of electronic event that that the that the artificial intelligence consists in. Uh, it's a certain pattern of um, transistors, I suppose, that are on or off, something like that. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so you might say, yeah, the mouse is not part of the artificial thinker because although I can use the mouse to uh, affect the artificial thinker, it's, it's it's not directly involved in the electronics that realizes that that, that realizes the, the the AI program. Yeah. Okay. So it's only only those 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 parts of the computer that are directly involved in the AI program. Some, something like that seems like the natural answer. To give that would suggest that in your case, if we ask what determines which parts, which things are parts of you, mm-hmm. we would say, well, you consist of all of all and only those atoms that are directly caught up in your mental activity, and your mental states. Yeah. Uh, so you're a part of your brain, I suppose. Uh-huh. Uh, in this case, yeah, in, yeah. In the case of the artificial thinker, it would consist of it, it would be a sort of very small spidery thing made up of made up of little bits of wire and uh, little bits of silicon. Yeah. Uh, I suppose. So something like that. Well, I thought about in, in the, uh, I think you, you mentioned this also in the paper that 
the analogous case for me, I'm just like I'm uh, some a couple neurons, or I'm a spidery weird. That's really what I am, even though I think I, these are my hands and stuff. It's like, well, no. If we go with if instead of going for the full biological uh, organism, when we go for what's involved in thinking, it might well. If if you're if you're a if you believe that you're a biological org- organism, it seems like the whole organism's involved in the thinking, right? So we have it's, a reason not to think we're a spidery web of a couple neurons. Well, I'm not sure whether the, I, I mean, even if you think you're an organism, it still seems right to say that my brain is more directly involved in my thinking than my than my thumb is. Sure. Yeah. It's right, even though I think I mean I mean I don't accept this view that my parts are all and only the, all and only those things that are directly involved in my thinking. Right. That seems a bit mad, but but that, I mean I, I'm only saying that's the sort of thing that you might have to say if you thought uh, that the an artificial intelligent being was something other than the whole computer. Right. Right. Yeah, I love that. I, I love this stuff. This is so much fun for me. Um, I really appreciate you going through uh, it with me. I, there's a there's a there's two immaterialist views that you cover, and um, I actually I don't know why I think this way, but intuitively I thought these would be better views, and maybe it's because I've seen uh, a lot of I've I've seen a lot of sci-fi movies and stuff like uh, Age of Ultron, um, where uh, Ultron is this evil AI and he's trying to take over the world, he's trying to destroy the world, and the Avengers have to fight him, but he can go into different computers and he's got a physical body. But it's not really, that's not, that doesn't, um, that's not all of Ultron, right? There's, Ultron is more than his physical body and he goes and in, in, he's in the internet and all sorts of stuff. So I initially thought, yeah, like a, this program view that you go over might, might make more sense. And then you just, you give so many like tough problems for it. So can we, can we go over the program view? What, what is a program view of an artificial uh, thinker? Well, I, I guess that's the view that the artificial thinker is the, is the program. It's the AI program. Uh, and that's well. That might and people sometimes say that. Although uh, it's a bit unclear because the word "program" is ambiguous. Sure, it's got a type token ambiguity, right? So, so uh, there's a certain program that you that well. That's well. There's the browser that I'm using to to, to conduct this conversation with you. I think it's Chrome. Yeah. Uh, that's okay. There's there's the Chrome, whatever it is. Uh, with, with with some number after it. That's a computer program, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it, it's 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 uh, well, it could be you could think of it as a type. It's something that was developed by certain people at a certain time, and it's got a copyright on it, and uh, it's running on both your machine and my machine, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Uh, running on lots of machines at, at, at the same time. It's a it's a type. It's it, it, it's like the book Moby Dick which exists in all sorts of editions and, and, and in multiple copies and so on. Uh, 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 so that's the sense in which a, pro, a computer program is a set of instructions, which, yeah. which can be implemented on all sorts of different computers at the same time. Okay. Uh, but it doesn't sound plausible to suppose that a program as a universal or as a type Yeah could be intelligent because the program doesn't change. It's, it's, I mean, well, suppose the program is running on both your machine and my machine. Uh, it looks like that would be two different conscious beings. Uh, I mean, you might be uh, uh, torturing your uh, <laughs> intelligent being and I might be, very, be, be, be giving mine cups of tea or, or, or whatever the appropriate electronic yeah. uh, uh, version of being nice to it is. Uh, it looks like 
there are two different conscious beings here, but there's only one program in the type sense. Uh, so that seems, well, that, that, that doesn't seem right. That, that seems like a sort of confusion. It would have two, it would have, it, it could have potentially, uh, contradictory properties uh or or it could both be happy and not happy at the same would, time in the same yeah, manner so it, it looks like your artificial intelligence being is very uncomfortable very yeah. unhappy mine is reasonably happy and contented because it, it's well looked after uh but how could one being be both happy and unhappy that mm-hmm. looks like a contradiction anyway and yeah 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 yeah, because it's because it's multiply instantiable or, or realizable or whatever language you use um yeah it could have it could have these uh, country properties also yeah this gets into like abstract objects and whether we can create them or not whether moby dick is a is an abstract object that's like multiply realizable uh or instantiable in different printings and stuff like that which is really fascinating crazy but i think also in the in the paper you mentioned that the conscious being would come into existence as soon as the algorithm was finished and oh, so yeah. it it wouldn't even need the computer to be a a thinker uh, artificial thinker, which seems really odd. Yes, yes. If you think of the program as the type that was created when certain geeky people, uh, uh, and somewhere or other, uh, finished writing the code, I suppose. Uh-huh. And so, so the abstract object, I suppose it's an abstract object, the, 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 the uh, Chrome, what is it? Let me just see. Uh, just, just for the sake of realism, version nine nine point. And then, never mind. Any, any, any. <laughs> realism be damned. <laughs> this particular version. Yeah. Uh, let me get back. There we go. Okay. Um. 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 um yes. So, uh, the program came into being before it was actually run on any computer. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it, you might say, the program became conscious. <laughs> after it existed in a, an unconscious state for an arbitrary amount of time. Right. And likewise, the program, I suppose, will still exist even if even if we all shut it down and it's not actually conscious any longer. Yeah. That seems unsupr- well, very unintuitive anyway. I mean, and that was precisely the sort of problem that we were trying to avoid uh, by, band, by replacing the computer hardware view with the, with the program view. Yeah, totally. And I think that's a a, a big uh, disanalogy between like between the book Moby Dick and a conscious being because whatever you say about ab- um Moby Dick whether it's a created abstract object or whatever you want to say um it's not a conscious being. And so there's nothing that it's like to be Moby Dick and yet if if this algorithm is a conscious being there's something that it's like to be this abstract object. Mm. And it and it came into being after someone finished a code and whether they programmed it or whether they wrote it down, maybe even right. Like so, so it has to do with like the intentionality of the the thinker who, when he finished or she finished the program. Is that when it came conscious, like, or does it have to be instantiated and then it's conscious? Which then seems more like uh, you're not going for the toke, but you're going uh, the type. You're going for the token. If the if the the thing is conscious and thinking, it has to be able to change because thinking is an activity. Yeah. Oh, I, don't think, point. I don't think you, you, could, you could be conscious in a completely static state. You, totally. You have to be changing. Okay. And uh, 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 the the program as a type is not changing. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, it doesn't even seem to be changing even when it's running on the computer. I mean, the, 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 compu- the, the, the particular token of it, so to speak, on the computer, that electronic event, that's changing. But the the uh, 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 Chrome 99 point, whatever it was, that's not changing, or at least not intrinsically anyway. Yeah. Um, 
That's not yeah, sort of could change, it seems. Right. Um, Dr. Olson, a lot of my a lot of my listeners are uh, philosophers of religion or philosophy of religion students. And they, they might be thinking right now, is this a, is this could this be an argument against like a timeless view of God? Uh, if, if thinking requires change and like or, or or maybe are you just bracketing out? This is just discursive thought. And perhaps if you had a, a God that didn't exist uh, in time, maybe he had all, a, a current thoughts or something. Is this a new argument against God, you think? It's certainly not new. Sure. Uh, I mean, I don't think uh, this is not an original view of mine that consciousness requires change or that thought requires change. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, and I don't think it's controversial. Okay. Uh, if you think that God is conscious or that God, or, or, or that God has a mental life, a God has a, has a psychology in the, in the most literal sense, then that does seem incompatible with the, with the view that God is timeless or outside of time. It seems to be anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Although you know, these are very deep waters, sure. Uh, but I'm not sure whether. Again, I'm not a philosopher of religion. Sure. Uh, I'm not sure whether theism commits you to saying that God is a mental life, in the literal sense. I mean, God has to have some sort of something like knowledge. God has to be a person in the sense that that that, that, that he or she can be addressed. Uh huh. Can have concerns and interests, something like that. But yeah, something in mental life that seems rather anthropomorphic to me. Yeah. So, and that's yeah. This is such deep waters because there's philosophers, religion all over the place, classical theists, neoclassical theists, and such. Um, I think I think most people would want to say there's something it's like to be God, though, right? Like there. Oh sure. I said well, I suppose yes, but whether that, but 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 what that what that actually means does that mean having a psychology mm. uh, i don't know yeah i don't know that sounds like a sort of analogical talk and i, sure. I, I haven't got enough grip, grip on 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 the on, on on the notion of what it is like to be yes Yes, this is see. This is so fascinating. Someone, someone in the audience should take this up. Um, I might take this up because I think this is really fascinating. Thanks for yeah. Thanks for going down that that train of thought with me there. Um, this this brings us to the bundle view. So we we there's the type view, which seems really implausible that it's it's the the finished algorithm that and it's multiply instantiable. It's, it's all crazy. But but the bundle view says it's not the type. It's the the various tokens of the type. It's my Chrome running on my computer, uh, and it's Dr. Olson. He has a different one because it's running on his computer. I I don't know where to point either. Um, can you can you lay out this uh, this this view more fully than than I was able to do? Good. No, no. I think you were doing very well, actually. I, I, can, okay. I can only pick up where you left off and add more detail. So, it, yeah, it seems wrong to say that it's the, that, that it's the that it's it's the program type that's doing the work, that's thinking and and wondering and suffering or or or, or, or whatever. Just as it's, it seems like it seems wrong to say that it's the uh, the uh, program type Microsoft Word uh, eight point seven point five or whatever it might be that 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 writes your paper mm-hmm. or converts your keystrokes into into text it's it, it it's not that thing that's copyrighted it's the particular copy of it on your computer it's a mm-hmm. certain electronic process that does the work okay so it's natural to if you like the program view it seems it seems much more sensible to, to say that it's, it, it's not the program type it's the particular implementation or realization or copy of it so to speak on your computer that's doing the work so yeah. so, so the so the the 
the intelligent being is your copy of the of the AI program. It's a certain electronic event or activity going on in the computer, and that that, that really does change. Yeah. Uh, and it's it exists only while the program is running. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it's it, it's a concrete object and not an abstract object. Yeah. It's located in space and time, and so on. It seems like. Uh, uh, it's a much more like the right sort of thing than uh, a program type. Yeah, and and yet um, you you argue that because it's uh, a, a series of of events or uh, bundles or states, uh, it's there's not really a, a a thinker here, right? It's like it's like thought thinking thought. It's like mm. well, the, yeah, there's certain activity, and maybe it's mental activity. Yeah. Uh, I guess there's well there's the electron there's the electronic activity in the in the uh, in, in, in the innards of the computer and there's the mental activity and we need to worry about the, the connection between those two things maybe they're the same thing and maybe they're different things N- never mind yeah. um, 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 that suggests that a natural thinker is also a collection of mental activity or a collection of neural activity, one or the other. Yeah. So you're not a physical organism. You're, 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 not, you're not a physical, a, a, a visible object. You are a certain uh, mental event or if you like a bundle or a collection of mental events and mental states. Yeah. Like so the sort of view that's attributed to Hume, uh, uh, whether he actually held that view is disputed, but in, 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 anyway, it's, it's, it's associated with his name. Yeah. Uh, Yes. Okay. So, so, so the, the 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 problem that I have with that view, which you just alluded to, is is this that 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 it seems to be saying that it's mental activity itself that thinks, <laughs> and that seems like a very elementary sort of confusion. Uh, 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 thinking is mental activity, so the thing that does the activity or that engages in the activity is not the, is not the activity itself. Yeah. That would be like saying that it's motion that moves, or the or the nothing that nuts. Sorry, the, the nothing that nuts, as uh, Heidegger says. Right. Well, I'm not sure whether that's the same point or not, but uh, uh, don't ask me any questions on Heidegger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 That, well, oh, that seems right. It, it, it seems like what if there is something engaged in the activity? I guess if there is if there is a thinking thing, it must be something other than the thinking itself. Yeah, seems like anyway. I, I I really like this, and I um I do think a lot about uh, philosophy, religion type stuff. But I, I think I think of uh, Aristotle's view of God that it's thought, thinking thought, and it seems like that is it's it's committing the same kind of uh, maybe category error or something here that there's it, unless you mean by thought thinker thinker thinking thoughts okay sure but that's a weird thing because it seems like it, it's just thought thinking thought and this goes back to our conversation of descartes that if there is thinking there is a thinker so it's a confusion to say thinking can think itself or thinking can think other thoughts without there being a, a thinker itself yeah i don't know what aristotle meant by that but i mean the idea that it's it, it's bundles of thought that think makes exactly as much sense as the idea that it's uh uh dances that dance and ah. uh it's um uh movements that move yeah yeah that's a really good point uh well so you finished out with just this this relaxed view and this is uh like an instrumentalist view or an anti-realist view and it and it it 
it changes the question from ontology to usefulness of of attributing uh, thinking. You know, should should we take an intentional stance, uh, maybe to quote Dennett, towards this computer or not? And it it seems like that's just you're asking a different question here, right? Well, I guess what I call the relaxed view is is the thought that well, uh, there's no sort of nice, neat answer to the question, what is it that thinks in the case of the artificial thinker? Uh, if you want to say the the computer thinks, including the mouse and the keyboard and the, and, and the power cable, that's fine. If you want to say it's the it's the CPU that thinks, that's okay. If, if you want to say it's the it's the uh, uh, the electronic event that realizes the the program, that's okay too. Those are all equally accurate. Uh, but there's no there's no answer to the metaphysical question. What is the thing that thinks? Uh, we can say what we like. Uh, the only question is which of one of those answers might be more useful than others, but the, yeah. but there isn't any one that's right and the others wrong. Yeah. Uh, uh, and that that that's a sort of anti-metaphysical view, <laughs> I suppose. Although it is. I suppose it's a metaphysical view, but it's a metaphysical view that sort of that sort of subsumes all the other metaph- metaphysical views and says we 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 don't, we don't have to worry about them. Yeah. Uh, but that I suppose, and, and I don't know that that that, that view is wrong. That, that that might be true for all I know, but it deprives the question of artificial intelligence of of its philosophical interest. Yeah. Because it, the, the, then, if there's no answer to the question, what is it that thinks in artificial intelligence? Then there's presumably also no answer to the question whether what the what happens when we run our AI program is thinking or merely a simulation of thinking. Right. Uh, we can say what we like. Yeah. Is, is, is which is more useful? So that, so, so now the question of what just just becomes uh, how useful is it, practically speaking, to attribute mental properties to certain computers or computer systems or or or, 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 or electronic events or what have you. Yeah. And that's not really a very interesting question, I suppose. No. Um, I mean, we can all agree. It's certainly not a, a, a question that's much, dispute, much, much disputed. We can agree that it's often useful to speak as if the computer knows a lot about the weather system or how to play chess, or how to drive a car, or or, or whatever. Just as as, as a useful useful to think that to attribute mental states to the to the mental properties to the to the photocopier because it 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 uh, it thinks it, it thinks it's out of paper. Yeah. Uh, or, or the thermostat that the thinks it needs to turn on the heat because the room's too cold. The thermostat has realized that that, that the uh, room is too cold. Yeah, uh, I I hear this one a lot from computer scientists. Like uh, my audience will know, like Lex Friedman, uh, really popular in in AI, and they they focus on the Turing test and they they give uh, they give noises to Roombas. So when it runs into something, it says "ouch," and then you you start to feel bad for it. But but again, that's not really answering the question of ontology. It doesn't seem like or consciousness. Is there anything that it's like to be the Roomba just because it? You've given it a noise to to say when it runs into something. No, of course not. So it's more about like our our own psychology than the ontology of artificial intelligence. I mean, you, you might just be dismissive of this philosophical question: is the is the uh, the, uh, the the vacuum cleaner or whatever it is conscious? Does it have beliefs and so on? Then maybe there's no answer to this question. Hmm. Uh, that's well, 
I don't know, it's a bit worrying in a way, because if that's the case, then the same is true of human beings. Are they, am I conscious and intelligent? Are you right. conscious and intelligent? Is the person that we just put in prison conscious and intelligent? Well, there's no answer to that question. It's just a matter of, of, of uh, <laughs> what's most practical or most useful. And you might right. well think, you know, it's, 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 it's most useful for us, the, the, the elite in power, to treat these people yeah. uh, as if they didn't have any any consciousness or mental properties and there's nothing wrong with that uh because there's no fact of the matter that's a very disturbing view i wouldn't want that terrifying terrifying yeah yeah well dr olson thanks so much for all your time and for this uh wonderful paper i i i I had to have you on because i it it needs to get a uh a huge audience i hope everyone watches i hope this is this gets a bunch of views because it's a really, really important question, not just about artificial intelligence itself or the artificial thought, but also the question of artificial thinkers should be answered, should be thought about more, should be pondered over. Uh, just a, a final question for you, Dr. Olson. Do you, do you think that we'll be able to invent AGI, uh, artificial thinkers? Like do you, any, any way, one, one way or the other, any leanings? You mean assuming that it's metaphysically possible? Do you, do you think it's metaphysically possible? Uh well, I don't know. I've got doubts. Sure. I'm skeptical. Okay. Uh, very skeptical. Um, but if it is metaphysically possible, well, I don't know. Uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, it, I, I suppose if it is metaphysically possible and if uh, 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 computer science continues to progress at its current rate for another 100 years or 1,000 years or whatever, then probably yes. Okay. But whether that will happen is a question about world history and politics and <laughs> whether we manage to destroy ourselves or whether, or, or, or whether our civil, civilization will continue. And I haven't got uh, a very confident answer to that question. Well, is there, is there any way to, to adjudicate on the, the metaphysical question? How, how, how might we go about doing that? Is it just by letting the computer scientists continue on and seeing if they are successful? That's not going to settle the metaphysical question. That's what I thought. Yeah, computer scientists can 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 create gadgets that that behave more and more like intelligent beings, and right. they've made a lot of progress already, even in our lifetime. Uh, 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 but that's not going to settle the question of whether what they've created is a mere simulation of intelligence or whether it really is an intelligent being. Right. So, so how do we how do we decide? How, how are we able to? You think? It's, I mean, it's a philosophical question, and there's no shortcut to answering philosophical questions. <laughs> <laughs> Leave it to the scientists. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Well, I, I hope that your your paper is a it plays a major role in 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 that conversation, the metaphysical question of consciousness. Um, all right, folks. Well, um, actually, Dr. Olson, before I let you go here, is there any any like website or anything like that that I should point my listeners to that where they can find more of your work? Oh gosh, that's a bit difficult. I used to have a website with all of my papers and interviews and so on and the university took it away because it was it's considered as it considered it a security risk and i oh, no. i've been meaning for quite a long time now to create my own web page with all that stuff and i haven't yet done it okay well uh, no no problem if um if, if you do get around to that just send me the, <laughs> yeah if, if you uh if you get around to that just just send me the link and i can put it in the description whenever and um thank you yeah and people can find you online just by searching your name as well I, I, i'm hoping that you'll promote my career parker and make this <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the Parker's Pensies bump for your career after this episode. That's great. Well, folks, that's going to have to do it for now. Uh, This has been Parker's Pensies, and as always, all glory to God. 